Thank you, my brother, for that prayer. That was from your heart, and I really appreciate that. If you'll open your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 16, I'm just going to forewarn you, this is going to be a different service. It's going to be an unusual kind of service. Um, <clears throat> it always excites me when God moves us out of the norm, and He wants to operate in an unusual way. Uh, I don't know about you, but I get tired of church when it's just boring church. Did I just say boring church? Y'all don't call Dr. Lance and tell him I said that, but we all know it's true. Church can be boring. And, and, and after 46 years of ministry, you just, you just hunger. Have, do you hunger to see God work in an in unusual way? Most of us here have either experienced some measure of revival in our life. You know what it is for, the, for God to really touch your life, your heart, in a powerful way. Or either if, if you don't know it personally, you've read about it, or you've heard about revival breaking out in some part of the country. I was talking with John Avant not long ago. John Avant is the president of Life Action Ministries, a former pastor of Coggins Avenue Baptist Church in uh, just outside of Fort Worth, Texas. And I was pastoring in Louisiana when revival broke out in his church, in Coggins Avenue Baptist Church. And it broke out on a Sunday morning when a young man, a, a young college student, Howard Payne University, which was near the church, during the Sunday school hour in the sanctuary came forward and just read a scripture and was weeping. God had just broken his heart for revival. And while he was standing in the front sharing his heart and tears were just pouring, an elderly lady got out of her seat and walked down and just hooked her arm in his and stood by him. And I don't know what it was, the sight of that elderly saint and that young college student standing there together pleading for, for revival. But the heavens broke loose. And something happened in that sanctuary that day that, that uh, instead of everybody leaving uh, you know, for, to go to Sunday school after, after sort of the little time that they had together, the beginning time, nobody left. People found themselves at the altar Sunday school classes emptied uh, and came into the sanctuary. The service, the morning worship service, was uh, on radio. And by the time that the came on on radio, uh, something was already happening that was supernatural. Pastor came in, uh, just kind of watched what was going on and, 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 and joined in. People had left that morning going on vacation, could hear the weeping in the background as the service went live on the air and turned their car around and came, drove an hour back to the church to see what was going on. And revival broke out. And it lasted for weeks and weeks and weeks. They began having services at night. Pretty soon they had to move out of the church. There were so many people. And they moved into Howard Payne University. Revival broke in, out in that university. There were, there were college professors and students kneeling for prayer. They, they dismissed all the classes. They had nothing but... Uh, chapel services and they couldn't get out of the chapel it went to 11 12 o'clock at night night after night one two o'clock in the morning night after night students pouring in and people coming in people beginning to fly in from around the country Henry Blackaby and others flew in there was an obvious move of God going on it overflowed at Howard Payne it overflowed at Southwestern Seminary some of the professors at seminary said they had never seen a move of God like that and it started with a college student and an elderly lady. Now the people, I, I was talking to John, we've talked about that. In fact, when I was talking to him a few weeks ago, he had been back to Howard Payne University and he said, Terry, I was there till 11 o'clock last night and it's happening all over again. Now 25 years later. I hunger for that. I can't hear stories like that without something in my soul crying God do it again do it again Lord let me see that let me experience that my book on 
on revival was prompted by that. The first quote in that book says, once you've experienced the fire, you can never be satisfied with the smoke. So if you've ever experienced a move of God, you can't be satisfied with just typical church services. Now I'm just going to say this. There's a stirring in this place tonight. You felt it when you prayed. God's, God sensitized and tenderized in our heart. I felt it when I came in tonight. Revival is not something we do to ourselves. It's not something we can, we can work up. It's not something we can organize. Revival is a, a pouring out of the Spirit of God upon His people. Jonathan Edwards was the leader of the first great awakening in America. Here's what he said about revival. He said, God hath had it much on his heart from all eternity to glorify his dear and only begotten Son. And there are some special seasons that he appoints to that end wherein he comes forth with omnipotent power to fulfill his promise and oath to him. And these times are times of remarkable pouring out of his spirit to advance his kingdom. Such a day is a day of his the psalmist prayed, Lord, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? It was a lot of years, Brother Sammy, that I read that verse and preached on revival till I really caught what David was saying in that verse. There's only one purpose in that verse that David's asking for revival. Lord, will you not revive your people again that they may rejoice in you? There is an inextricable link between the pouring out of the Spirit of God and, and full and free spiritual joy. When is the last time you've had so much joy in your heart that you couldn't hardly stand it? We don't have that kind of joy in our life most of, mostly or in our churches but every time God revives His people there's incredible joy freedom and joy songs you sang tonight just touched my heart second chronicles 16 9 and you all have a theme verse which is second chronicles 7 14 and so we're in the same area of scripture and it, let me say a word about that second chronicles 7 14 passage before i get to second chronicles 16 9 most people don't realize that that wonderful revival passage that we quote and even that you have on that shirt is only half the sentence. It's, it's the middle of the sentence. Did you know that? There's something before that. Here's what's before it. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Most people don't realize that this wonderful promise of revival is sandwiched in the middle of a verse that's talking about pestilence and God sending the locusts and God shutting up the heaven. What do you think we've been through in the last few years? You see, the God who created us knows us, and He knows exactly what it'll take to get the attention of, uh, of uh, well-to-do, uh, easy-living Americans. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in circumstances, but He shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a spiritually deaf world. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. Then I walked a mile with sorrow. And ne'er a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. You know and I know that we learn far more in times of trial and difficulty and sorrow than we do in times of mountaintop experiences. We've been through that in this country. And I believe, as Claude King said to me, I believe that God has given us another opportunity to repent and experience revival. He gave us 9-11. He gave us the 2008 financial crisis. He's given us the coronavirus. And, he, and Claude said, if we don't respond to God right this time, I don't know how many more chances America's going to have. 
we don't deserve anymore. But we have a loving and a patient, wonderfully merciful God. So I hunger for times of revival. And I'm wondering if there's anybody else here hungry, hungering for a real touch of God. Just not, not, just a, a, just, not just another set of services, not just another revival meeting with good singing and halfway decent preaching, but, but are you hungering for God? Are you longing for His touch? David said, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O Lord. Real revival will never come until God's people begin to seek His face. Not His hand, but His face. Not what He can give you, but who He is. There have been a few times in my life that I've been privileged to have been in the midst of a pouring out of the Spirit of God. I never have forgotten any of them. One of them was the hundred days I spent at a roadside cross in ten years ago. All day for a hundred days. And what happened in those hundred days is I did what Isaac Watts said, surveyed the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. My richest gains I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Those hundred days when I lived, ate, and breathed, nothing but the cross of Christ marked me forever. I'll never be the same since then. And, and there were a lot of lives changed as a result of that. That was one. There have been other times. But this past week, I had an experience that I've not shared publicly and shared with very few people privately. A year ago, about this time, I saw a documentary, and, and Brother Sammy thinks he saw it too, but we, we're trying to figure out where it came from. I think Ronnie Floyd, who is the uh, just past the executive director of the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee, was the president of the executive committee, chairman, whatever the title is, I think he sent it out. And I think it was in, in relation to the National Day of Prayer. And it was a documentary about a 95-year-old, 90, then 95-year-old man by the name of Fred Lunsford in North Carolina. Lives in Hayesville, North Carolina. Murphy, Hayesville. Here is, here is Fred's story. And then I'm going to show you that documentary. Brother Fred had, was actually a World War II hero. His living room walls are decorated with all of the awards Congressional medals. He was among the group that stormed the beaches of Normandy. He was in the thick of it. He survived. A lot of his friends did not. He's a highly decorated World War II hero, first of all. But he don't talk about that. When he got out of the military, he felt called to the ministry. And he began to preach in the mountains of North Carolina. He eventually became a director of missions up there. And God, God used Fred in a lot of people's lives. But God got a hold of him later in life. He and his wife, uh, his wife uh, Gladys uh, built a prayer garden about two miles from their house. And every day they would go to that prayer garden and pray for revival in this country. And it's a beautiful prayer garden. I've been to it now several times. So his wife died number of years back and he continued to serve the Lord until he was 93 he was talking to the Lord one day his eyesight was beginning to fail he was having some temporary blindness he's a very strong you know able-bodied man but at 93 you know he was beginning to have some trouble so he went to the Lord and he said Lord I think I'm done I think my time here is over I'm ready to come home and the Lord said, Fred, not yet. Not yet. And he said, not yet? What do you mean, not yet? And he said, I still have a work for you to do. He said, Lord, what would you have me do at 93? He said, I want to bring revival to this country. And I want you to call for a million people. Well, actually, first, it was just a thousand. I want you to call a thousand people together 
and pray for revival. And Fred said, okay, Lord, I don't know how that's going to happen. don't know how you're going to do it, but, but I'll do that. And he said about it, he, he had a couple of people around him. Chris Schofield, who was the, uh, the chair, chairman of the Office of Prayer and Spiritual Awakening at the uh, North Carolina Baptist Convention, was, was with Fred in this endeavor. And uh, Greg Mathis, who was pastor of Mud Creek Baptist Church in um, Hendersonville, uh, um, North Carolina. Hendersonville and his church is about 4,000 members. It's a pretty big church. And he came alongside him and they began to do what Fred felt called to do. The problem was they had 1,000 people committed to pray for revival in 48 hours. So they said, well, our vision wasn't big enough. Let's, let's go to, to 10,000. And they had 10,000 within a few weeks. And then they moved the, the goalpost again to 100,000 and and they got 100,000 before too long. And so then Fred said, I think God wants us to get a million people. And they just passed a million just the beginning of this year. Fred, is, Fred at, last year at 95 asked for 100 preachers to come to his area and go with him up on Prayer Mountain. It's a mountain that he's cleared, that he owns. And to go up to that top of that mountain and pray for revival. I wanted to be one of those hundred. God called me to be one of those hundred. I, I'd never felt so called to go do something. And I went. I asked a few people to go with me. I wound up taking two preachers, another director of missions, and a pastor from Mississippi. And we went up there. And I'll tell you, it was just unbelievable to be around Brother Fred. To hear him pray. He has a book called Punching Holes in the Dark. That's what they, when Fred prays, he, he punches holes in the dark. And uh, he's just an amazing old, old mountain preacher. And we spent time with him. We prayed at the prayer garden where he and his wife prayed every day. We, we prayed uh, at, next to the, George, the old uh, George W. Truett home where George W. Truett, the longtime pastor, 44 years, I think almost as long as you, at First Baptist Church, Dallas, Texas, uh, his parents' home is on the grounds of a conference center up there, the Truett Conference Center. And uh, Fred's parents and George W. Truett's parents prayed out under a hickory tree in that yard every day. We prayed there. We prayed out in the woods where at five years of age, Fred, with a brand new um, slingshot his daddy had made him, at five years of age, little coveralls and uh, and barefooted, was out in the woods with that slingshot. And he heard a man, he heard something, he didn't know what it was. And it was a man praying, laying in the, in the leaves, praying. And he heard that man pray, God, I'd rather die in this thicket than be a powerless preacher. Let the Holy Spirit fall on me, God. Please, send your Holy Spirit. And he listened to that man praying it. It left a mark on him. He never forgot that all his life. He was five now. He's telling this when he's 95. The old man was called Uncle Doc. He was a circuit-riding preacher who just didn't ride. He walked everywhere, walked 10 miles to preach, and, and walked every day to places to preach. He was well-known in the area, and he was a godly old man. Well, that impacted Brother Fred. We went to the place. They found the place where Uncle Doc prayed, where they saw him praying. It's on an old Indian trail beside a creek. We all went to that place. About 30 of us, 40 of us that went to the place there and prayed in the woods where Uncle Doc was praying that day. It was powerful. So that was, that was a tremendous time. Well, recently God's been stirring my heart. And I heard the Lord speak a word to me and I wanted to go. I, I, in fact, it was, so, it was so amazing. I said, Lord, it's impossible. What you're asking me to do is impossible. And the Lord said, is there anything too hard for me? What about Fred Lunsford? And he had me. He had me. If you think what I'm asking you to do is tough, what about Fred Lunsford at 93 calling a million people to pray for revival? And I had no answer, but I knew that I needed to go back up there and see Brother Fred. So I did, and I took one pastor from Prattville with me. We went up last Tuesday. We spent about two hours with Brother Fred. He's now 97. And we experienced some things. And I went out to the prayer garden. I spoke out at the prayer garden to a, a group that night. 
The next morning, we wanted to go back and be with Brother Fred. You just want to be around him. <clears throat> and I don't really know how to tell you what I'm about to tell you because I haven't shared it publicly. We prayed. Give me my phone there, Brother Sammy. Let me, let me read that quote. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> we prayed with Brother Fred on... Wednesday morning, or Tuesday, yeah, Wednesday morning, in his living room, at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, they have a phone call in prayer time. In fact, they're doing 40 days of prayer. They do this like three times a day. That was the Tuesday. That was the main one. And Brother Fred, just, you know, there's a number of these folks call in, and there are people that call in from everywhere, and they, they just pray for revival, just pray for revival. And we were there, and he said, why don't y'all just stay and, and be with us on the phone call? I said, okay. So folks called in, and they started praying. People on the phone prayed. Chris Schofield, Greg Mathis, um, David Horton, who is the president of Fruitland Bible College in North Carolina. And then a number of other folks, women, men, prayed. And then when they finished, I prayed. And then Brother Fred prayed. And the guy that I took with me, his name was J.B. Burt. He's pastor of New Vision Baptist Church in Prattville. Brother Fred said, J.B., do you want to pray? J.B.'s very quiet. But, but, but he had, has a heart for revival. Years ago, he was asked to travel with Manly Beasley, great preacher from Texas that at one time had 70 pastors, pastoring churches that had come out from under his ministry. Uh, Manly Beasley's life story is one of the most amazing stories you'll ever hear, a story of faith. He was a man of faith. Manly Beasley liked to ask the question to people, if he were to meet you, he'd say, brother, what, what are you believing God for today that if he doesn't come through, you're sunk? That's his question. He's famous for that. Hey, brother, what do you believe in God for? Manly believed the reason we don't ever see the supernatural power of God is because we never ask God for anything that we can't do ourselves. We play it safe. What do you believe in God for today that's so unbelievable, so impossible for you to do that if God doesn't do it, you're in a mess? That's Manly Beasley. Manly Beasley and Miss Bertha Smith, the great old missionary from China, traveled together well didn't travel together but i mean they were in a lot of meetings together miss bertha was just an un unusual person great prayer warrior ron dunn those guys were people that were my spiritual heroes well jb burt traveled drove them he was their driver he drove them around the country for about three years so he had had he had been around revival he knew about revival but it had been 35 years he said since he's had a real touch of god a move of god like he used to be all the time, used to experience all the time with them. So yeah, he wanted to go up to Prayer Mountain. So on that morning, Brother Fred had prayed. He hands the phone to J.B. And J.B. tries to pray, but he can't pray. He's weeping. God's moving on his heart, and he's weeping, just sobbing his prayer out to God. And I don't know what happened, but at some point in that prayer time, the glory of God moved into that room like I have never experienced before. And it felt like it was like a wave just came over JB and came over Brother Fred and came over me. And we were the only three in the room. There was a housekeeper in the house who was standing a couple of rooms out, and she was just standing reverently quietly like this with her head bowed and then once i saw her in the other living room of the, the den out the other door i could see her just standing there with her head bowed her name was sharon maybe 75 years old and the glory of god came into that room to such a degree that something jolted me out of my prayer i had my head bowed 
JB's over here praying, and I, I, just, I just sensed something going on. I looked at Brother Fred. He's sitting right next to me on the couch. And Brother Fred, at 97 years old, he's stomping his feet, clapping his hands, saying, Well, glory! Well, glory! Glory to God! I, 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 he just came alive. And I could hear on the phone, it had just been muffled amens and praise the Lord. You know, as we were all praying, you could hear just a thank the Lord, amen, praise the Lord. I agree. But all of a sudden, at that very moment, there was just a, a, their, all their voices rose in a, a praise to the Lord. as something they sensed was going on. And for a few moments, um, I don't know, we just basked in the glory of God. It was, it was an unbelievable, phenomenal experience. We finished praying. We were all just uh, wrung out from it and... JB and I were leaving. I, I was ahead. I walked into the kitchen and spoke to Miss Sharon and said, thank you for letting us come take care of that old guy. And I walked onto the door and JB, who had just cried his eyes out, he was just, it was incredible how he grabbed a paper towel and he said, that Kleenex of mine is not getting the job done. So he grabbed a paper towel. She said, well, that was some kind of prayer meeting. He said, yes, it was. She said, I've never seen anything like that in my life. He said, me either. She said, when y'all were praying, I put my hand on the wall and I could feel the wall shaking. And that whole room was vibrating. Now, he didn't tell me that. I didn't hear her say that, but JB had, has had a stroke at some point in the past. He's 70, he's perfectly fit. He's a fitness trainer, basically. He's going to try to train me. That'll be another miracle. We don't want to <laughs> get me in shape. And we're driving down the road coming home, and he said, I, I need to tell you what that lady said. I, I di it didn't register with me what she said, but she said she put her hand on the wall and felt the building shake. And I thought, wow, wow that's, that's amazing. He said, he said, because of my stroke, sometimes people say something to me, and it's, it's a little while before it dawns on me what they really said. He said, I didn't really, that really dawned on me what she said he said I wonder what that was all about and I said well you remember that moment you may not remember because you were the one doing you were the one praying and you were crying so hard but there was a moment when the glory of God just came into that room and brother Fred just about came off the couch I mean his feet were just going up and down his hands were clapping well I called back up there and I talked to brother Fred I said brother Fred this is what your housekeeper said he said, well, she didn't say anything to me about that. And I said, well, when you talk to her again, would you just ask her about that? I'd like to verify what she felt and what she experienced. She said the wall was vibrating. This is just a little house, you know, just a little, just a small little brick house. So, Brother Sammy and I were coming back after lunch, and I got a text from Greg Mathis, the pastor of Mud Creek Baptist Church. He said, this is his text just a little while ago. He said, hey, Terry, I verified with Fred today what the housekeeper said about Fred's house shaking when y'all were praying there on Wednesday morning. Her name is Sharon Guffey. She told Fred she had never seen or heard anything like it. She said, the power was so great, this is a quote, the power was so great I literally thought the house would collapse. Fred said he was shaking so bad he couldn't tell if it was the house or himself shaking. What an experience. I don't know what to say about that. Except that I'd like to experience more of that. I'd like to be in the presence of God that strong again. I want you to meet Fred Lunsford. And you'll meet him in this documentary. And I also, we don't have time to do it tonight, but I also have a memo thing on my phone, and I recorded his prayer that morning. I recorded him praying about nine minutes of him praying. And sometime, if, you, if you'd like, I might could, could play that for you, because it's powerful just hearing Fred Lunsford pray. But you're going to meet him in this documentary. I've never done this before, but I really feel like God wants us to watch this and then we'll just see what God does afterwards. Just listen. Be sensitive to what you're about to hear. 
It's been over 100 years since God has given a major spiritual awakening in America. And people have been praying for that for years. As a matter of fact, I think it really began in sincerity back in the 1960s. But through the years, those prayers have grown more frequent and uh, deeper in intensity. And I think especially 20 years into this new century, uh, those prayers are being cried out by people all over this country. Probably not until we get into eternity will we know all the prayers that God heard or all the ways that God worked to bring about a spiritual awakening. But here's the story of one man, a 95-year-old preacher, who felt like his last assignment from God was to pray for a spiritual awakening, a spiritual awakening that would begin in the mountains of Western North Carolina. Can God really start a spiritual awakening with the prayers of one man? Not only can God, but God has done that, and God may be doing that again uh, in Fred Lunsford. Uh, what would impact this gentle, humble old preacher to the point to where he would believe so much in the power of prayer that he would think that he could pray for spiritual awakening in America. Well, I think that goes back to when he was a young boy, to something that happened in Fred's life that greatly impacted him for years to come in the power of prayer. Uh, listen to Fred as he tells it in his own words. I was just five years old and went into a wooded area and right by the side of the road, on the left side, was a thicket. A little stream flowed right through the middle of it. And I crossed this little stream going up this old road, and I heard a noise out in that laurel thicket. And that noise disturbed me. It didn't sound like an animal. Uh, it sounded, I didn't know what it was. So I started to run first, but, but then my curiosity got the best of me and I had to find out what it was. So I went crawling through this thicket, just pushing my way through this thicket, looking in the direction of the sound. Finally, I got to where I could see. And there was a man laying face down in the leaves. And I looked and I saw his hat laying over here. He wore a little black derby hat, and over on the other side was a little satchel he carried, and I knew it was Uncle Doc, the preacher, Uncle Doc Barker, with his arms stretched out, and he was groaning, and he said, God, I'd rather die in this thicket than to be a powerless preacher. There was something happened to me. I felt something. There's something in that setting that I had never felt before, tugging at my heart. And, and he was just praying. And you better believe what he asked God for, God will do. Fred never forgot what he saw and experienced that day in that laurel thicket. And as a matter of fact, the prayers of Uncle Doc would influence him for years to come. 
and for seven decades as a Baptist minister uh, preaching and praying, he would often reflect back to what he saw about Uncle Doc praying, God help me, I'd rather be dead than to be a powerless preacher. And Fred was not a powerless preacher, not in his preaching and not in his ministry. But the great power that God had given him really came through prayer. And he would exercise that in his last assignment uh, to pray for spiritual awakening in America. The intensity of prayer as I know it now for spiritual awakening occurred, actually it will be two years ago sometime in the summer. I have a little prayer garden that I go and pray every day and, and there I was praying and I had an experience with God that's beyond measure. Beautiful sunshiny days and I looked at Buckhorn Gap and and Gap in the Mountain. I'd been there many times. It seemed to me that I saw Jesus standing in that gap. And just then I saw a thundercloud come up behind him, start rolling over the mountain, and then I heard the thunder roll and lightning begin to flash. And, and uh, I began to talk to God in a furious manner. I said, Lord, I, I'm old and things are about over with me and now my wife's been gone for several years now and she's in heaven and I think it's just time to take me on. I'm ready to go. God said, not yet. Why not yet? He didn't answer me. I kept going back every day for maybe three weeks or a month before one day he answered me. And he said, not yet, because I've got some unfinished business that you need to take care of. What is that unfinished business? You'll be preaching 70 years now. Celebrate 70 years in the ministry and get everybody you can to begin praying for spiritual awakening. I want to send a renewal I want to send a new work among you and do that. And so I started. That's when I first got the tremendous burden for spiritual awakening among us. Fred clearly knew his assignment. What he didn't know is how that God would do this. And Fred said that God spoke to his heart and said, don't you worry about how I'm going to do this. I've given you a clear assignment to pray for spiritual awakening and to lead others to pray for spiritual awakening. And I will draw people to you. And God was about to do something that would even surprise Fred at how he was gonna continue this move to give a spiritual awakening in this country. Fred was invited to come to Truett Camp to speak in a prayer conference. Uh, Chris Schofield, who works with their Baptist State Convention, uh, was putting this prayer conference on at, at Truett Camp. And so he had invited Fred to come, and also David Horton was to be the main uh, speaker, the main preacher there that day. Well, Fred got sick again, and uh, he had lost his eyesight temporarily, and he really did not feel well, and he didn't think that he was up to making the trip. And Chris Schofield said, no, Fred, the one thing I'm certain about is you are to be at Truett Camp that day and to speak. Back in September of 2019, both of us were featured speakers in a prayer conference at uh, Truett Baptist Camp there in Murphy. And that day, you told a story from your boyhood days about a man that you affectionately called Uncle Doc. And that story you told gripped my heart and motivated me to pray with greater frequency and greater intensity than I ever have in my life. After the prayer conference was over, I was driving home and I kept thinking about that story about Uncle Doc. God used that in my heart in an amazing kind of way. 
I couldn't keep the story to myself. I, I told everyone that I saw about what happened over the next few weeks. And every time I shared the story, God used it in a special way in the person to whom I'd been speaking. Well, I had felt impressed to the Lord that what I needed to do was to contact Fred Lunsford and to arrange a time when I could spend an afternoon with him. Well, in the process of doing that, I believe the Lord put it upon my heart to invite my son, Michael, who is a pastor and also a professor here at Fruitland, and also to invite Greg Mathis, my pastor, and J.D. Grant, a good personal friend, also professors here at Fruitland Baptist Bible College. When I ask all three to go, without reservation, they all three immediately said yes. That first meeting with Fred would become a day that literally would transform the prayer lives of those of us that traveled there that day forever. I'll never forget when we got there and I began to knock on the door at Fred's house. Uh, he came to the door uh, and he was barefooted. Now, what was so surprising about that is it was so cold when we actually left to travel over there that day. And being in the mountains, it was even colder than that over there. But as he sat down and we sat down and began to talk, uh, he shared with us the reason that he didn't have any shoes on was something that he experienced back from World War II. Uh, Fred was actually one of those soldiers that stormed the beaches at Normandy. Uh, he was one of those that fought in the Battle of the Bulge. And it was so cold that his, his feet were frostbitten. And he suffers, even all these years later, uh, from his feet burning, even in the coldest of weather. And as he told us that story, I couldn't help but look around the walls at all of the recognition, all of the medals, all of the things that were given to him uh, as being a part of that generation that we call the greatest generation that fought in World War II. And I realized that literally we were sitting in the presence of an American hero. And so as we talked to him that day, he shared that, but he quickly moved from all of the patriotism uh, back to the spiritual. And he kept talking about what he had on his mind and what he had on his heart and this assignment that God had given him about praying for a spiritual awakening. And so I asked him, I said, Fred, how far is your prayer garden? And he said, it's about two miles away. And I said, well, can we go up there? Uh, can we possibly go up there and pray with you? And he said, let's go. As we traveled that day to Fred's prayer garden, uh, I was amazed to think that here was a man almost 95 years of age that every day gets up and travels two miles to his prayer garden. Uh, and as we traveled that road that day, we saw an old church where he grew up. Uh, we saw his old home place where he grew up. But where we really wanted to go was to his prayer garden. And so we got up there, and as we got to the prayer garden, Fred showed us uh, sort of what was there and some things that he had done and how special of a place it was to both he and his wife. Uh, and he actually named the prayer garden after her but how he would come there, rain or snow, no matter what the temperature was, every day to pray and talk to the Lord. So as we sat there in that vehicle that day, uh, Fred began to share with us that experience that he had had two years earlier, uh, where as he looked over into the gap of that mountain, that he felt like that Jesus appeared to him. I'll never forget something Fred said. He said, I know a lot of people will doubt that that happened. And some people will say that that was my imagination. But Fred said this, he sure seemed real to me. After Fred shared that story with us, he said, gentlemen, he said, I believe that God has brought y'all over here today to join me for praying for spiritual awakening. And so he said, let's pray. I can tell you that I have never in all of my 65 years felt the manifestation of God, the presence and the power of God 
that I felt that day, the vehicle could barely contain us. I mean, it was an experience that is just almost beyond description. Well, I've been telling people ever since that occurred, that was one of the greatest manifestations of the Holy Spirit that I've experienced in a long time, as we all sat there in that vehicle. And I looked over at you, and you said, you are seeing your prayers answered right before your eyes. All of us, as we left that day and traveled back, uh, tried to process uh, what we had experienced. As a matter of fact, the vehicle was pretty quiet going back as we thought about the manifestation of God that day uh, in that vehicle. I know for me personally, I couldn't sleep that night. Uh, I prayed and asked God to help me understand what was happening. And, and so I called you the next morning. I, I just still had to talk about it. And I called you the next morning. Five times that day. Yeah, I called you five times that next day. I tried. I couldn't get it off my mind. And, uh, but when I called you that morning, you said that you had already been talking to God and that God had spoken to you and that you wanted to do it again, but you wanted to do it back on top of the mountain up there. Uh, and for us to get as many preachers as we could to come on top of that mountain and maybe call it praying on preachers, praying on the mountain for a spiritual awakening. And God impressed upon my mind uh, two preachers. I think it's mostly because we live in close vicinity of one another. But one is uh, Don Wilton, who pastors the First Baptist in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And the other is Ralph Sexton, a well-known preacher over in Asheville, North Carolina. And I called Don that day and I said, Don, I, I don't really uh, know how to explain this, but I just want to tell you what happened. And I, I began to, de to describe the experience. And Don said, that resonates with my soul and I'll help you. And Ralph Sexton said, I think God is in this and you've got my support. I will use my influence. May the 5th would be the day where a hundred preachers would come and pray on the mountain with Fred Lunsford. By the middle of March, uh, we not only had a hundred preachers registered, but we had 200 preachers registered to go on May the 5th over to pray on that mountain for spiritual awakening with Fred Lunsford. In my praying for spiritual awakening, some, we, sometimes we try to program God. Uh, we, we want it done like we think it ought to be done. And I never dreamed that it would happen the way it has. And then something happened in this country and even around the world that none of us expected. The coronavirus set in. At least six people have died in an outbreak of the new coronavirus, which has now reached the United Breaking States. news tonight, the U.S. reaching another grim milestone. So deaths in the after returning from Wuhan, China. None of us could imagine that literally uh, we'd be shut down for weeks. We would not be able to come to church. Nobody ever imagined at Easter there'd be empty pews and empty parking lots. And yet, for whatever reason, God had allowed this to say what he wanted to say and do what he wanted to do. I couldn't help but think about uh, what is inscribed on the Jefferson Memorial. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Did we really think that God was gonna let us continue in America down the path that we were going? Did we really think that God would not at some point intervene and say, enough is enough. I want you to hear me. I want you to turn back to me. I want you again to get on your knees and cry out to me. Billy Graham said, for a nation to stand, it first has to go back and get on its knees. God certainly had our attention and God had brought this country to a screeching halt. It was becoming obvious that we would not be able to travel on May the 5th over to personally pray with Fred Lunsford on the mountain. He said that he now realized it was never about getting 
100 or 200 preachers physically over on the mountain to pray. He said that was simply to get the attention of the preachers. That what God wanted was to get more than 200 preachers. He wanted to get hundreds and thousands of Christians, wherever they might be on May the 5th, to join him to pray and fast and to ask God to give a spiritual awakening in this country. So we set a goal of trying to get 10,000 people that would sign up and join us to pray on May the 5th. In the first 48 hours, in just a little bit more than 48 hours, we already registered over 10,000. And so we began to pray again with Fred. And Fred said God had given him a new vision. He believed that God wanted to get 100,000 Christians that would join him wherever they might be and fast and pray on May the 5th to ask God if he would open up the windows of heaven and pour out his spirit upon this country. Wouldn't it be something if God would take the humble prayers of this 95-year-old preacher and have hundreds and even thousands of prayers to join him on that day and cry out for spiritual awakening. A.T. Pearson said, there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. start a spiritual awakening with the prayers of one man. Not only can God, but God has done that, and God may be doing that again. come to thee today on top of this mountain, come in here to call upon your precious name as I cry out to thee for spiritual awakening for our land. And Lord, I know you've called me to get people to be praying for spiritual awakening. We ask for a revival and we continue to ask you to refresh us anew. And oh God, that you would pour out your spirit upon these United States of America. And so, God, we just plead to you today that you would send the revival that would renew your people. God, we're asking you for revival. We're believing that you have that in mind for us in this season. It would point to your son, Jesus Christ, and the change that he's made in us that we desire to see in others as well. Now, I pray for spiritual awakening among our families. Pray, dear Lord, for children, grandchildren, Parents, grandparents. Dear Jesus, please help all the doctors and nurses there. A revival in the home, that God, because the revival breaks out in the home, that God, it would lead to the church, and from there, God, it would lead to the lost. You said, if my people, from the very smallest child to the oldest person, here I am crying out to you. Of your nation and our world. You are the author and finisher of our faith. You, God, and you alone renew and reprove, God. Church that has lost its first love, Lord, make ground zero for national revival be in our churches. Send revival and spiritual awakening to each one of us individually. God, we cry out to you today to bring a spiritual awakening across this land. Lord, may our hearts be turn to you. God, I cry out with thousands of people in this United States of America today. Lord, we were in a place of folly. God, we don't want to go back there. That we might turn back to God, for you are our God and our Father. It is in you we trust. Oh, Lord, how desperately we need you. 
God, we need you in this land. There are many people crying out around the world today, oh, thousands of people, perhaps millions. God, would you revive us for this day and for the sake of our children and for the sake of our grandchildren and for the sake of the church in America. I come the best I know how with my heart heavy on the altar before you. In Jesus' name, I do pray, amen. that if we will humble ourselves and repent of our sins and seek God, that he'll do that again. Well, God said he would. He said he would. He don't lie. And I believe it with all my heart. There's really no, there, there are no words that I can add to that. Except that I believe that there are people in this church and there are people here tonight that have received that message and you have a burden for revival. You have, you have a heart. You want to see God touch your life. You want to see God touch this church, this community, state of Alabama, United States of America, and the world. Who's to say that that can't begin right here, right now, with us? J. Edwin Orr is the greatest authority on revival that we've ever known. He said, all revivals in history have begun when anywhere from 1 to 11 people have thoroughly gotten right with God and sought His face. 1 to 11, all revivals have begun. And I, I, I'm, I'm a student of revival. I can go back and show you that more often than not, it's, it's 1 or 2 or 3, 5, maybe. And some of the greatest movements of God began with a, with a handful of people. I wonder if you would join me in prayer. I don't want you to stand. I want you to just remain seated. And I'd like for our pianist and Terry if you'll come if we could just play something just just something uh, just as I am or or um, whatever you feel led to do just something and just play softly and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pray and all I know to do is invite you to come if you want to be a part of what Fred Lunsford is saying I, I, I thought about calling him and asking him if he would call me at this hour, at this moment, he would, we could talk with him. And um, he would do that. I know Fred would do that. But I think we really need to hear from God. You've heard from Fred. I think we need to hear from God tonight. And I don't know how to extend this invitation. But Brother Sammy's going to be here. Maybe you just need to go to him and share with him your, how much you love him and, and how much you want to see revival come. Maybe you just need to gather around this altar and around the front seats here, around the chairs, or, or stand or kneel, whatever you feel led to do. But folks, let's give God a chance to move here tonight. If you're lost, you can be saved tonight. If, you're, if you have a spiritual need, you're away from God, he's calling you. There's, there's personal revival. There's restoration. There's forgiveness for you. But if you just want to come and pray for revival, it never comes without prayer. It, it, we, it, it's, it's where it happens is when we pray. Over and over, if we pray, if my people will seek my face, pray. God's hearing. God's listening. 
And He loves us. So would you join me? I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, if you feel led to just slip out of your chair and come and gather around the front, let's just, let's just let God do what He wants to do. Just let Him have His way. Just say, God, have your way with me. I surrender all to you. <clears throat> How precious. If you're not able to come physically to kneel, you feel, you feel better in your seat, just make that seat an altar to the Lord. Just, just look up to Him. <clears throat> and I'm going to say this and I'm going to pray. I haven't really preached anything tonight. This is an unusual night. If God speaks to your heart. If there's something you need to share with this body, then you, you get with Brother Sammy and say, I need to say a word. I need to, I need to say something to this congregation. If you need to say something to somebody else, if you need to get something right with somebody else, do that now. <clears throat> I often say, the difference between revival and evangelism is evangelism is down the aisle, revival is across the aisle. People getting right with one another. When revival comes, bygones won't just be bygones. We, we want to get it right. We want to pay that debt. We want to settle that, that situation. We want God to be glorified. So just listen to the Lord and be obedient to Him. If He asks you to do something, if there's a testimony to give or a word to say, we're going to give you a chance to do that tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I just come before you, God. Lord, on my knees, I ask you to do something unusual in this church this week. Lord, we lay ourselves open before you. God, we pray that you'll take us, that you'll accept a living sacrifice that we offer to you. Jesus, you gave everything on the cross for us. It's not too much to, for you to ask for us to give our everything to you. So tonight, Father, as men and women are praying and confessing sin and trusting your forgiveness, praying for revival in their heart and in their home and in this church, God, I pray you'll grant it. I ask the Holy Spirit to move among us now and, and clean us up, God, knowing that there's only one thing that can hinder revival, and that's sin, and there's only one kind of sin, and that's my sin, our sin personal sin break our hearts God produce a spirit of humility and brokenness in us help us to put self aside and to cast out all the things as the writer of Hebrews says those, those weights that so easily beset us all the sins that have held us down in the past Lord break those chains tonight as we, sung that, as we sang that song Lord break those chains Set us free, individuals, one by one, Lord. Do something in our heart that cannot be explained except in terms of a supernatural God moving in the midst of His people. God, I pray for revival. I pray for true revival to break out here tonight. I pray you'll move in the power of your Spirit and the spirit of what we felt in Fred Lunsford's living room last Tuesday, I pray we'll feel that tonight, God, because we're on our knees seeking your face. Oh, God. Oh, God, hear our prayer. God, send revival, oh, God. Rescue this country, Lord, from our own demise. Father, we know you're the only one who can rescue us. We cry out to you, God. Oh, Lord Jesus, as I read in Revelation 3 about the about the Laodicean church, Lord, we're, we're astounded to see Jesus standing outside the doors of His own church, knocking. And we love to use that verse for sinners, but it's really the, about the Lord Jesus being neglected by His own church and standing on the outside. So Jesus, we invite You back into Your church. Take over Your congregations. Be Lord here tonight. 
Father, I ask that you be glorified in all that we say and do. Give you this time. Lord, we're not going to leave till you tell us it's time to leave. We're not going to ask you to come move in power and do it in our time schedule, Lord. We're going we're to wait before you. We ask you to move upon us and lead us in these next few moments. Amen. Let me just ask this. Is there, is there anyone here tonight that feels like you have a word that you need to say? A testimony? Or something you need to share before this group tonight? Has anybody got a testimony of what of something the Lord has done for you here today in your own heart?